On today's episode of Secrecy Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Katie McCourt from Panty. What an awesome conversation. We actually talked about something that we have not talked about on this podcast for a while, and that's actually reaching out to publications, doing your own PR. Katie actually walked us through how she did it. She told us the percentage of people that actually responded to her, but some of the incredible publications that she was able to get in using this method and this hard work. You guys are not going to want to miss this episode. Hey guys, before we begin, I want to talk to you about how to grow your e-commerce brand in a post iOS 14.5 world. If you're doing over seven figures in D to C, you need to hear this. Back when Facebook ads were absolutely crushing it and driving massive amounts of revenue, setting up basic flows and sending out occasional email campaigns used to cut it, SMS marketing included. You'd see it constantly and so would we when we were looking at accounts at Mindful Marketing. Brands earning 20 to 45% of their total revenue with email marketing with maybe three to four hours of work a month and that's because they just set up some basic flows and then silence but now that the facebook algorithm has stopped spitting out such ridiculous returns where do we go retention but it requires marketers to go deeper than simple templated flows and copy and pasted campaigns which we've seen all the time it requires actually having a system that increases the ltv of your customers and then actually realizing that entire customer lifetime value in a shorter period of time and hopefully even seeing a higher LTV. We're saddened to see brands do all the same things with their emails and SMS, and we're sick of auditing agency accounts who simply set up welcome flows and show off how many sales they make. Anyone can set up a welcome flow, abandoned cart flow, etc. That is the simple stuff, guys. The real key in retention marketing is digging deep into your market, copy, offer, your creative, and then pairing that with a strategy that turns one-time buyers into two-time buyers, into three-time buyers, and on and on, just like we've seen at our brands. So if you want to find out exactly Exactly how deep our retention marketing strategy goes, book a quick wins call with our team and we will show you exactly how we drive more repeat sales for our clients and hopefully how you can too. Go to mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins. That's mindfulmarketing.co slash quick wins, all one word. Now on to today's episode. If you're an e-commerce shop owner looking to scale, you've noticed that managing communication on multiple social channels is such a pain. And more than likely, you're finding that chats with customers can often get lost in the shuffle of a busy day. Well, with Smart Inbox, you can skip the chaos of customer communication, get all of your incoming chat, email, Facebook, and other messages in a single app that is automatically organized for you so that you can faster respond to your conversations from around the web. If everything else is equal, the best customer support wins, but managing conversations is not easy. The Smart Inbox team has found that 83% of business owners, even probably some of you that are listening to this episode of Secrets to Scaling, are regularly missing out on key conversations that can easily be converted into upsells, repeat purchases, or better resolutions just by simply responding. With Smart Inbox by user.com, get all of your conversations in a single smart inbox. Make a smoother shared experience for your team and your customers, save time, eliminate missed messages, and own all your key customer details automatically in one place. Level up your customer communication and get started for free with Smart Inbox by visiting smartinbox.user.com dot com slash secrets. Let's try that one more time. That's smartinbox.user.com slash secrets. Now on to today's episode. 
Hey guys, Jordan West back with another episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. I am very, very excited for today's episode. It's one of those good episodes where we have talked for about 10 minutes before the episode and it's like, all right, let's just get this down. We want other people to be able to hear this conversation that we're having because I think that there's some really interesting things and really relevant things for uh, people, especially in fashion uh, that we're going to get into today. Really excited about this one, but uh, even if you are not in fashion, I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. So without further ado, Katie McCourt from Panty. Katie, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us on. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm super looking forward to, uh, to chatting with you. So for people who know nothing about you, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, of course. So I'm Katie. I'm one of the co-founders of the sustainable underwear brand Panty. I co-founded Panty with my older sister, Amanda, during the pandemic. And essentially, we were the world's first underwear brand to make sets from upcycled dead stock t-shirts. The reason that we wanted to do this was there's just huge amounts of fashion waste that's produced by the industry. And a couple of years ago, Amanda gave me a ring one day and she had been thinking about this idea of what could we do with a t-shirt essentially there's something like two billion t-shirts every year produced within the fashion industry and there's crazy stats that suggest up to 30 percent of these clothes are never even sold so we really were starting to think about what it is that we could do to sort of reduce their impact and give them a second lease of life and that led us to starting panty and after a year of product development and research we finally launched on kickstarter and that was in november of 2020 we then launched our website in february of 2021 so coming on a year ago and yeah since then we've just been really pushing to scale the brand and get our mission our values out there love it i love it so where exactly did the idea come from like had you gone to like some conference or something and heard about this need or like where where did the idea come from it's a really good question. I think that we both have been interested in sustainability and also both really interested in starting a business together. I think that's quite an important part of our story because I think we were almost like looking for a project to work on together. And yeah, probably about two and a half years ago now, Amanda, I think there was a couple of things that led to it. One, she had a friend she just moved down to London, in, we're both from the UK, hence the accent. And um, she just moved down to London and was going around um, charity shops and thrift shops with one of her friends who's very much into shopping secondhand and just noticed the sheer amount of t-shirts that were in some of these stores and they still had the labels on. And that really sparked this research into how many of these clothes are going to waste post-consumer, I suppose, so later on in the supply chain. But when you start sort of looking into fashion and the sustainability aspects, it does become a bit of a minefield quite quickly and when we learned about the amount of clothes that are produced that then don't even get sold for whatever reason whether it's overproduction or whether or not there's slight issues or the colors slightly wrong like whatever it might be there is just a huge amount that goes to waste so we you know got thinking what could we do with these and I think one day Amanda literally was like googling what can you do with an old t-shirt and there's a lot of people that are really into sort of crafty hobbies and a lot more talented than I am with these things that would turn out their old t-shirts that they had worn into underwear to sort of keep them in circulation because I think when it comes to sustainability that's such a big part of the puzzle it's making the things that you have last for like for longer so yeah we just thought you know is there a way that we could do this on scale and Amanda that's actually I think um, when she rang me and Amanda was living in London I actually live in Vancouver so we weren't sort of speaking every day and she rang me one day and was like Katie look I've got this idea I want to upcycle dead stock t-shirts into underwear 
And I think we should call it Panty. And especially with the name, I think that's when it really clicked to me. I just thought it was all, you know, really topical, really clever. Like there's such a need for not only sustainable underwear, but underwear that's designed for women that makes them feel really comfortable and really good about themselves. And yeah, it just kind of all started from there. And for some reason, for two and a half years, we've got up every day and worked on it. And that's kind of brought us to where we are today. I, I've got a question for you on the product side. How do you mm-hmm. maintain consistency when using secondhand? Mm, yeah, so the point at which we take the fabrics is that we um, so we work with a really small manufacturing facility in Bangladesh and we found them because we've been working for a long time with a lovely, lovely lady called Karen, who's sort of our production manager. And Karen lives in the UK, but she lived in Bangladesh for a really long time and had very close personal connections with people out there so she introduced us to Erdem who runs our manufacturing facility and after you know an initial couple of conversations with Erdem he really understood our vision and we actually worked together to create a production line within his sampling room so co-bought a machine together after our kickstarter campaign and have started working very closely well have been for quite a while now with his team and there they you know we couldn't do it without them honestly like they understand better than I do the the grade of fabric that we need it's very important that we find materials that are the right grade the right weight the right stretch because they need to have the recovery so you know there's a lot of things that you're looking for in terms of the quality of the fabrics but our team on the ground in Bangladesh will go to local factories local markets and things like that to, to source that dead stock and they work within a very particular grade of fabric so we can't just take anything which would be amazing if we could but also it keeps a good focus and it ensures that the quality of our product is really strong because again that's such an important part of the puzzle when building a sustainable brand oh oh absolutely like we were talking about a little bit before you know we're in that world i'm in that world in in multiple businesses and it is such high priority for us you know when we look at sustainability there is so much waste when it comes to, I mean, even, you know, we produce everything here in Canada. And so, you know, we don't have, you know, we're not worried about, you know, any of the overseas manufacturing. And it's great that you've got the connections over there, but we do produce all of our fabric in China, right? And we bring over, we just brought over an entire 40 foot container of fabric. And knowing that there is waste alongside of that, I don't think that people really realize what that process actually looks like when it comes to the dyeing and uh, and all of that production. I don't even know if we actually get that, you know, in, in the way yeah. that we should with the amount that we produce. Um, so it's, it's, I think that this is amazing because people will actually start thinking about it. Like, do I need that, that other piece of clothing or is there, or is there something better I could do something that's longer lasting? Yeah, I think there's there's so many issues that feed into it. I think that one, there's very little transparency within the fashion industry. I think there's been a huge shift and a huge demand in more recent years, people really demanding, you know, who made my clothes? Where did it come from? What's been the environmental impact? And there's some real trailblazing brands that are showing that this transparency can be achieved. For example, we like to talk a lot about Allbirds and the way that they communicate their message and their values. But yeah, I think as well, it kind of trickles all the way down from the brand brands and the brands taking responsibility for the way that they're producing their products, the transparency that they're providing to their consumers, but then also on a consumer level, really thinking about, do you, do you need that 10th pair of jeans? <laughs> or, yeah. It's difficult. It's such a difficult conversation because, you know, I think when it comes to sustainability, so much of it can be guilt driven. And that's something that we def- align ourselves with at Panty. I think that there's a lot of people that love fashion and they love 
to feel good about themselves and but they do want to buy better and we always talk about the idea of a conscious consumer and it maybe is somebody that is going to buy from high street fast fashion brands and you know people ask me all the time well how do you avoid it and it is it's really difficult if you're you know buying secondhand is a good option buying from sustainable brands is a good option but depending on what you really need it you know it can be difficult to navigate but I think those people that really thinking about their purchases buying things that they know they're gonna love they're gonna wear they're gonna look after and it's not going to be that one-off impulse buy and then yeah. disposing yeah. of like a week later <laughs> that's totally. that is really the where the chunk for, yeah. yeah with the yeah. labels still on like that's the reality <laughs> i think that's where you know every i think everybody has has found themselves in a situation where they've got something that they've bought that they've not taken back they don't really need and that's i think where the overconsumption really comes into play oh absolutely Katie, we were talking before about marketing hmm. and one of the pain points that you were uh, talking about was Facebook ads in general. Walk me through why is that difficult for a brand like yours? So there's a couple of reasons. So we're a very new brand. And so we only launched our website in February of 2021. So coming on a year ago, and we um, started running Facebook ads around that time. And to be honest, to start with, we did find some, you know, good results, and it was going quite well. But we noticed very quickly, we started to get ads blocked because they were categorized as um, breaking nudity policies, or they were considered sexual content. And, you know, really, it's not the case at all. And it's difficult when you're a small brand and you're trying to compete and you can see other underwear brands like the Victoria's Secrets of the world that are running ads that, you know, a lot less modest, I would say, than yeah. our ads. And, you know, I don't think that's a problem. I, I don't think that you should be censoring women's bodies. I don't personally feel offended by any underwear ads that I've seen. But I think maybe because of um, a number of reasons, we don't have necessarily the budgets, especially at the beginning of your journey to have absolutely direct communication with these big ads platforms and your ads, do they just don't pass the algorithm, they just get blocked time and time and yeah. time again, we had our account yeah. fully blocked at times. And it really came to a head, we created this campaign video called the comfort revolution that we personally were really proud of. It was like our first campaign. And it was all about female empowerment and body positivity and spreading this message of getting really comfortable within your own skin. And we wanted to run it for brand awareness on as YouTube ads. And it just got blocked straight off the bat, no appeal process. And I was honestly like, I can't believe this. Like we've a really small brand, small marketing budgets. We've put a lot of yeah. money into creating this really professional and really like nice hearted video and just no option, just completely blocked. And, you know, luckily we shared sort of what had been happening with our community organically on Instagram. And I think people feel the rage there and people Absolutely. actually really shared the message far and wide and it really boosted our organic views but this I think has just been a cycle for us like we just get categorized as um, sexual content and we're not <laughs> it's been really difficult to get around it and that combined I think with the iOS updates that happened last year that everybody's I think still using as an excuse we've not quite figured our way around it yet <laughs> Uh, thanks for walking us through that. I, I know that there's probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast right now that have been blocked. They feel that hurt from Facebook, right? And there are mm. other ways to, to get around that. So what has worked for you guys when it comes to marketing? Yeah, we've definitely gone down a more organic route with our marketing. So PR has been a really big thing for us working with ambassadors and building out our ambassador program has been a real priority for us this year or the start of this year. I know we're not that far into it. And then working with influencers as well, especially on a gifted basis. But yeah, I think that PR definitely for us has been impactful. I think that in comparison to some of the other small brands that we see sort of around our 
our stage. Um, we've had a lot of success. Um, we've been featured by the likes of Vogue, Drapers, The Independent, um, named us as one of the top sustainable underwear brands last year in the UK. Wow. Um, very, yeah, like really early on in our journey as well. So that's been that's been amazing to sort of get and that. And how did you get I those, guess. Katie? Where did those come from? Great question. I think every single PR placement has a different story behind it. And um, Amanda and I, actually, we both have backgrounds in sort of content marketing and more organic marketing. And I think that has played, it's played to our strengths because, you know, I think a lot of PR is storytelling. And the key to getting good PR, I, I personally would say from our experiences, having a good story to your brand and knowing very clearly what your story pillars are so for example mm. for us you know co-founded during the pandemic by sisters and we're a world first in our category because we're the world's first underwear brand made from upcycled dead stock t-shirts and then mm. within those categories we I send just so many cold outreach emails to journalists. Like I constantly am reading articles that, you know, from listicles to articles about sustainable fashion and the trends in the industry. And, you know, anybody that writes on anything topical that's related to us, I'll just try and find their email address send them a bit of a pitch email with some information and then follow up multiple times. And the sad truth is, I would say 95% of the time I don't hear back. <laughs> um, I was about but- to ask you, what, what, <laughs> what is that percentage? And that is totally what I would have thought. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say to anybody out there that is interested in sort of getting their brand out there down a PR route, if you don't hear back, don't get disheartened. I know it's like the hardest thing and it applies to so many things. It's the same reaching out to influencers or, you know, any sort of cold outreach. But the um, when we got featured in Vogue, I think that was a, a really big moment for us because obviously when you're starting a fashion brand, like uh, that is the creme oh, de la creme. <laughs> we were yes. just, yeah, absolutely buzzing. And we actually got that feature the month that we launched our website. And so many people reached out to me and they're like, that's amazing. Like, how have you done that? It's the month that you launched. But what people don't see is that I am... Um, I first reached out to that journalist a year prior and I had emailed her maybe five times. The poor lady had heard from me more times than she'd probably like over that year. And I never, I think I I maybe got a response to my first email, but then I didn't hear back from her again. But she must have been getting my emails because she knew who we were enough to include us in this um, listicle. And it was for best underwear to gift yourself on Valentine's Day. And um, that's why I just think now I just always, if if your pitch doesn't land, just keep pitching, keep pitching pitching and yeah I think that more recently we've started to get into a good routine with our campaigns because you know we we stand for a lot as a brand and our mission and our values really drive us and one area of success we had last year was actually our Black Friday campaign so we decided to switch off our website on Black Friday and the only people that could shop from Panty on Black Friday were people that were really engaged they were on our mailing list and so we could send them a password for access. And we decided to do this really just to fight against impulse buying because so many people buy things they just don't want or need on Black Friday. So we yeah, just thought, you yeah. know what, we'll close the doors to our shop. Anybody that's sort of already on the inside can come on in and they can buy because it's things that they really want and really love. And anybody else, like we don't, you know, they're not familiar with our brand enough to need to buy on Black Friday. So um, we'll sort of lock them out. And yeah, it was it was amazing the reception that it got. We got featured um, on the, the third page of one of the biggest Sunday papers in the UK. And that for us drove a month like or more worth of web traffic in a wow. day. And it came out the Sunday before Black Friday and really boosted our mailing list. And then a lot of people came back and returned on Black Friday to buy from us. And it was amazing because we didn't discount anything, but people chose to come and buy from us because of our values and because of the message that we were talking about. 
And I think that is so impactful and it's going to become so like so much more important over the coming years because more and more consumers are looking for that sort of emotional connection to brands and for that values alignment. And it really does, well, it really can, maybe not all the time, but for a lot of people, that can be that final thing that drives them to buy, um, which again, at the end of the day, like it's e-commerce, that's what you, you do want to be converting those customers. So, so yeah, oh, it's absolutely. been really impactful. Whether you have a mission or not, you have to be making sales. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, the name of the game. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you can't keep going, so you can't have an impact. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Katie, I, I know you're still earlier in your journey, but I got to ask you the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. What is your secret to scaling? That's a great question. I would say, and I don't know if this is necessarily directly impacted to driving more sales or growing your business, but the one thing that we've learned is definitely like celebrate all the small wins because without doing that, the the process of scaling just becomes really really challenging because you know realistically that you're going to get a lot of no's along the way we've actually just been through the process of doing our first raise and raising money for the brand and you know you get rejection <laughs> well, most of the time a lot of no's. And it, yeah you get a lot of no's and I think that's just the reality and people say that and people said that to me and you're like yeah yeah that's fine <laughs> I'll get those it's gonna be fine and then you get your first no and you're still like oh I'm surprised. Like, like why would anybody yeah. say no? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. great. <laughs> and it is. It's just something to adjust to. And I think that during that process, you know, we had some really low days. And there is the two of us, so we can kind of egg each other on and bring each other back up. But yeah, it when if you don't stop and really think about how far you've come, then I don't think that the scaling necessarily matters as much because you don't recognize it in yourself. I, I know that's a bit of a a fluffy answer it's not necessarily like a hack or a tactic but for us I think that's been like our biggest learning over the last year it's a life hack right it's like Mm -hmm. always remembering all the time I remember the first time I I ever did coaching that was some a little tweak in my mind that the coach made where it was like hey we're gonna make sure that all of these things that you've actually accomplished over our coaching time that you actually celebrate them and so I want you to actually go out have a meal and talk about the things that you've accomplished and it's like for me I'm like a I'm an achiever I just continually do 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 I don't even look back I'm like I don't care Mm. like what do I care about that in the past but it's so important so Katie awesome that's a great secret to scaling so thank you yeah, it is, it is, I think, every something everybody finds hard, or I know we've definitely found hard. And I think it's maybe just because things also move so quickly, because you can have your lowest of lows and your highest of highs within about a three day time period. And you've just got to or ride. like a three hour time ride. period. Yeah, exactly. You're just like, <laughs> some days I wake up and I'm like, today's gonna be a great day. And I go from like, zero to 100 back to zero, like all within the first hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check, check your email. And you're like, Oh, no, no, this is not gonna be a good day. Never mind. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> uh, Katie, I've got three three more questions for you here. Uh, first one, uh, what is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously the obvious one, Shopify, but I'll, I'll go beyond that. <laughs> We've actually just moved our email marketing to Klaviyo. And awesome. were, anybody that hasn't used Klaviyo, I'd highly recommend it. I think that the um, capability that you have to create just really good automated flows for us, it's been so impactful. So I definitely say Klaviyo that love it that's great another question for you uh favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now oh that's a good one um i do love the shopify e-commerce masters podcast 
Oh, yes. That's a good one. That's been really helpful. And um, the other one I really like is How I Built This um, by Guy mm. Raz. And I think that that was really inspiring to both Mandra and I um, early on in our journey, just hearing the stories behind some of these really big brands that you look up to and the, you know, the ups and downs that they go on. It gives you hope. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny when, when we first, this is, this will be like episode 300 or 300 and something of, of this podcast. And when we first started, we used to have people more in the beginning of their, of their business journey, sort of scaling from that sort of one to three to 5 million kind of range. And mm. I had 30 episodes in a row where people said how I built this was their favorite podcast. Oh, really? which is just What a testament to, to what Guy Raz has built yeah. with his media machine. It's just like, it's just so cool. So cool to see. And yes, the Shopify Masters podcast, that is one uh, that I would love to get onto. Yeah, we actually um, we actually spoke on that podcast last year and it was it was a really good moment for us. We were really excited oh, for that one. Awesome, awesome. That's great. Last question for you. If you could sit down with anybody, you get an hour with them, you can have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, whatever you like, uh, who would it be? And they have to be alive. Oh my gosh, that is a really good question. There's so many people that I would love to speak with. And there's, um, you know, people that have just done so amazingly within the e-commerce sector. So um, big brands that have come out of the UK, for example, the founders of Gymshark. Like, I would mm. love to sit down and have an hour with them just to download all the information that they must have in their heads. Because there's, you know, there's big e-commerce brands and then there's big e-commerce brands and they're just absolutely huge now. And they've done it in such a short space of time. The same goes for the founders of Lounge Underwear. They're obviously in the same category as us, um, Dan and Mel Marsden. And yeah, what they've built is really inspiring, really incredible. And again, it's more, you just want to, you'd love to get the insights from these people and hear about their journeys. Absolutely. One takeaway I just want to give our guests from, uh, for, for some of our guests who are a little farther along, little bigger businesses and cash flow is always an issue. Like it always is in e-com. Gymshark very, very early on negotiated net 120 terms with their, with the people, their, the factories that they work with net 120, which is just insane. And that's how they really were able to grow. I mean, you can grow any, you can grow a brand to 5 million. That's, I mean, that's difficult, but it's not you know, it's not impossible. But once you get into that sort of range, then you have all these cash constraints all the time. And so that's how Gymshark really was able to to scale at the sort of level that they did because they were able to manage their cash that well. I just wanted to give you guys a little a little hint of, you know, as you're growing, that will happen to you. And it's difficult, <laughs> but it's manageable. And they did a great job of it. So Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciated getting to chat with you. Where can people find out more about you and more about Panty? Um, yeah, so you can head to our website, which is panty.co.uk. That's P-A-N-T-E-E. We're also at Panty on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. This was so wonderful. Thank you again so much for your time. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Oh yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.